0: Welcome to the Stop Chasing What Isn't Changing podcast. I am Elaine Scuds, a mom of three, hairstylist and salon owner, entrepreneur, and been told by many, a great listener. I chased dreams for years, the perfect house, the perfect body, the perfect family, and the perfect job. I realized I spent so many years chasing someone else's standards someone else's dreams, all thanks to society. The conversations on this podcast are here to help you accept, love, and validate yourself. They are here to spark inspiration, to help motivate, and to help you grow into being comfortable and happy with the life you have. As I have these conversations, I hope you realize that age and gender should not limit you on what you desire, And that being a woman and a mom shouldn't be so damn hard. And on the days you feel defeated, you are not alone. Stop chasing someone else's standards, someone else's dreams. It is time to declare your own and to start your journey. Thank you for being here. Welcome to the Stop Chasing What Isn't Changing podcast. I am Elaine Scuds, your host, and I am so excited to have my very own naturopathic doctor, Dr. Nicole Panathair, as my guest today. Welcome, Nicole. Hi, how are you? I am great. How are you?
1: Good. Thanks for having
0: me. I am so excited. Dr. Nicole is a graduate of the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine in Toronto, Ontario. As part of her education, she completed a year long clinical internship with a special focus in fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue syndrome. She graduated in 2011 from Wilfrid Laurier University with an honors bachelor of arts in kinesiology and aims to combine her knowledge of the human body and natural medicine in her practice. Dr. Nicole approaches each patient's case in a holistic manner and aims to find the root cause of each illness in order to strengthen the body as a whole. She provides treatment protocols that fit the needs of each patient and follows each individual through all aspects of their journey to optimal health and wellness. She has a particular interest in sports medicine, pain management, digestion, stress management and prevention of chronic disease and works with her patients to reach their health goals by being an active partner in their healing. So today we are talking about burnout, which I know for sure many people are experiencing burnout more now than ever before. Am I correct? Absolutely. What would you say are the most common signs of burnout um, that you have noticed?
1: So it can be totally different for different people. Um, So I think it's really important to get in tune with what your normal is, what your baseline is. And when we start to see things sway in a different direction, then that should be the red flag for you as a person. So for some people, they're much more irritable and moody and small things are triggering them that normally wouldn't. People are feeling exhausted. You know, the typical, I feel burnt out, feelings. Um, you can usually identify with that when we're just feeling exhausted and worn down and we don't feel as resilient as we usually do. And then there's lots of other symptoms of adrenal fatigue that tend to be a little bit more vague. Um, and they're not always things that we connect with burnout, but things like salt and sugar cravings, stubborn weight loss, bloating and digestive issues, um, brain fog, sleep issues, cravings for carbs or caffeine, all of those different kinds of things that, um, we don't always associate with being burnt out, but those are signs that our adrenal glands need some support.
0: Wow. Like I had like check, 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 (laughs) (laughs) on like pretty much every single symptom. Um, when I first went to see Nicole, I started seeing her about five years ago and her name um, kept popping up on all of my mom Facebook groups of a naturopath for um, estrogen and for hormonal replacement therapy. Cause that's what I was doing with my own family doctor and I decided to transition over to see Nicole for that. And as time went on, I started to be like, things are changing in my body. Like I had heavy, heavy bloat every night after dinner. it felt like it was Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner every single day, like I had to unbutton my pant to breathe. I couldn't digest my food properly. And I was so irritable. And that was the first time I actually like thought, what is going on in my body? And we said, we tend to think it's all about our food. And so we go to change that. But in the end, it has to do with everything internal. It's all connected into Absolutely. like one major thing, right?
1: Yeah, it is. And that's, that's the thing with stress and kind of how it impacts our bodies, that everyone finds that there's different symptoms associated, but pretty much any symptom in the body can be affected by stress. So our brains and our nervous system are connected to every single organ. That's how they function. That's how our systems dictate what functions are supposed to happen. And so if your nervous system is functioning in that fight or flight mode, and you're just in overdrive all the time, all of those organs can be affected too. It's not all of them for everyone, but things like digestion, there's a huge network of nerves within your digestive system. That's where we get our gut feelings and intuition from. That's where we get IBS symptoms that are triggered by stress or, or by anxiety. People notice that they're either having more bowel movements or less bowel movements when they're super stressed, their appetite changes. Some people eat more, some people eat less, but all of these are reactions from not only what your nervous system's doing, but then all of the hormonal changes that happen with either acute stress or, chronic stress. And so it manifests differently for different people, but yes, absolutely. All of those symptoms can be related to stress.
0: And I think, you know, as a woman, um, I remember seeing my mom always like doing 50,000 things at once, Mm -hmm. right? She was like amazing at juggling everyone's life. And as women, we tend to just take that on because we feel that that is our role. So to, right. So to take a step back, it's really hard, right? Because when we take a step back to be like, okay, now I have to reassess everything that maybe I shouldn't need to do on a daily basis, it's not possible, right? So then we feel the stress of trying to be less stressed, right? It's like a constant circle that goes around and around that we can't stop. We can't stop from overdoing things. So what are some like what are some tips and tricks that you can tell people to First, be aware of in their body to say, oh, yeah, actually, I think I do have burnout. Like what would be some things that you would
1: recommend for them to pay attention to? So I think fatigue is one of the biggest ones Uh, when we look at. So cortisol is one of your main stress hormones. It's more of your long term stress hormone. And that's the one that tends to be off for most people who are burnt out our bodies are designed to handle small stressors. As they come up, we get physiological reactions that show up to that. And it's helped something that's helped us adapt and keep us alive in different stressful situations as they have come up. So in that sense, stress is a good thing. However, when we get those chronic stress responses, that's where the cortisol curve starts to be affected. So you've got a, you've got a cortisol curve that happens every day and we cycle through that with our circadian rhythms. You're supposed to get a burst of cortisol first thing in the morning to wake you up, get you going, say it's morning, let's go. You're supposed to get another burst around noon to get you through the afternoon without crashing. And then you're supposed to peter off throughout the evening and overnight to help you go to sleep and stay asleep and then start the cycle again in the morning. What happens with adrenal fatigue and that chronic stress response is you get bursts of cortisol when you're not supposed to, and you get dips in cortisol when you're not supposed to. So most people notice they wake up in the morning, regardless of how much sleep they've got, they feel exhausted. It's really tough to get going. The rise and shine is not happening. They get through the morning. Sometimes they feel better when they get going. Um, You're not getting that burst of cortisol around noon, which is where people tend to crash in the afternoon. They get that either craving for carb or sugar or coffee or whatever stimulant is your choice, um, where they hit that wall. Either they feel like they need to sleep and take a nap or they're just kind of like that lethargic brain fog, just hit that wall in the afternoon. Um, And then in the evening, when things are supposed to be winding down, lots of people get that cortisol burst that they're not supposed to be getting. So that's that kind of wired, but tired feeling. You've dragged your butt all day and then you're ready to go to sleep. And suddenly, you know, 10 PM comes and you're not tired anymore. Or you start to get burst throughout the night, which is usually where people wake up between two and 4am feeling like it's morning, their brains are wired, they're solving all the world's problems in the middle of the night, they go back to sleep for an hour or so, and then the alarm goes off and we start the process again. So that's a big pattern that we see for people that waking up between two and 4am, people are like, yes, that's what I do. That's a sign you've got a cortisol imbalance and that stress is causing stress on your adrenals and we need to support that system.
0: Like that was that was my story. I had like major like waking in the belly. I was yeah, coming we to, to. yeah, two o'clock in Kiss and ride. I wanted to have a nap in my car waiting for my kids mm-hmm. to get out of school. I just and I hadn't I, I thought, what's wrong with me? Like I eat, I eat healthy. I exercise every day. I'm trying to get a good six hours of sleep. And my pattern of my life completely did a three sixty from what it used to be, because it was never like that before. So Mm -hmm. the first time you had said to me, like, it's your cortisol levels. I was like, well, how the hell do I reduce those? And (laughs) it's hard to reduce those cortisol levels. eh?
1: It does. And it takes time. And I think part of it is we're always In that cycle of stress. So unless, you know, easier said than done to say, Oh yeah, we need to reduce our stress, but we've all got more pressures on us now than we ever have. The last two years have been very stressful for a lot of people in a variety of different ways. So it would be great to say, you know, let's just bust your stress and that's okay easier said than done. So in a lot of ways, we need to focus on helping your body to cope with the stressors in a more productive way and help to get that cortisol under control. So that even though you're having those day-to-day stressors, they're not having that huge impact long-term for you. So self-care is a buzzword that gets thrown around all the time on social media and in blog posts and all of those things. It means different things to different people, but typically how I discuss it with my patients is self-care is what you need. So getting in the habit of asking yourself on a moment to moment basis, what do I need in this moment to function? So sometimes that's going to be, I need to take a nap. Sometimes that's going to be, I need to go for a run. I need to be with people. I need to be by myself. I need to eat something. I need to take a shower. I need to read a book. I need to get some work done and be productive. It'll look different moment to moment, but ultimately self-care is getting in touch with what you actually need and then committing to giving yourself that because as you said women in particular we put everybody else ahead of ourselves it's our kids it's our spouses it's our coworkers it's our neighbors and that's kind of a societal thing that we've been programmed to do it's what our moms did it's what our grandmothers did and i think it's a very different world we live in now than you know say 50 or 100 years ago as far as the number of pressures that are on us so if we're constantly putting everyone else above ourselves we are going to burn out and we're not able to do the things that we want to do for everybody else. So, you know, there's the, the common, the common analogy of, you know, put your own mask on before you put on somebody else's on an airplane, if it's going down, because if you don't have oxygen, you're going to pass out and you're not helpful to anybody else. And you become a burden on everybody else. It's the same thing for self-care and for stress management. So it doesn't have to be. Um, expensive. It doesn't have to be time consuming. It doesn't have to be sitting in a bubble bath for three hours every day. It doesn't have to be a luxurious trip. Um, all of those things are nice, but it can just be a matter of have I eaten today? You know, what do I, what is my body asking for as far as food? Have I, have I had any water? Have I gone for a walk in the last few days? You know, it would be great if we all could sit down and meditate for an hour and a half every day. But if it's just a matter of taking 10 deep breaths and kind of taking a step back and resetting that does wonders too. So it doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be time consuming. It just needs to be a habit that you're doing on a regular basis and really getting in touch with what you need and committing to giving yourself that.
0: I love that because I remember my mom always watching her. She'd wake up at like six in the morning and wouldn't eat anything until like, 10, 11 o'clock and it was, um, an espresso with a biscuit. Like that's all she had time for. Right. And so self-care is always like, I don't have the time for it. You know, I I have to do this and this. And yes, we always think self-care is like a yoga retreat or an hour in the bubble bath, like you said, but it's not like even 10 minutes of reading a book just fills your cup in a different way that I never thought was actually, self-care until I started to actually do it. Right. And it's time for you. That's all it takes is like 10 minutes of just time for you, whether it's in the morning, afternoon, nighttime, but you are making yourself important. And I think eating is also huge, Nicole, because a lot of people don't eat, right? Like they'll feed their kids. They'll run off to work, grab a coffee, maybe a piece of toast and they'll call it a day. And how are you fueling your body if you're not eating?
1: Yeah. And if we, again, if we think of your adrenals and your, um, your kind of body's reserves as a gas tank, what happens when the gas tank runs empty, Mm -hmm. the car stops moving. And we are exactly the same. If you're not putting good fuel into your body on a regular basis and you're burning it constantly, which we are all burning it constantly, you're going to run out of gas. And when that happens, the car goes nowhere. So I think, you know, as you said, we, we see, models and we learn the behaviors based on our models, it's also our responsibility as much as we're taking care of our kids and we're taking care of our spouses and we're taking care of our coworkers to also model the behavior that we want for them, right? When we're looking at our kids, we want them to prioritize self-care. We want them to be functional humans. We want them to be the best that they can be. And if we're modeling burnout behavior for them, that cycle is going to continue. It's good for our kids to see us taking five minutes for ourselves. It's good for our kids to see us incorporating health practices on a regular basis, even though we're busy. And even though we have lots on our plate, but prioritizing those behaviors that are going to keep us healthy and going to keep us going long-term that teaches them to do the same thing. So as much as we say, you know, I've got all of these things to do, I put everybody else first. By putting yourself first sometimes and making yourself a priority on a regular basis, you're now teaching them to do the same thing, which I would argue is equally as important as making sure that they've got good food and their clothes and they're clean and they're all the things.
0: Yes, I totally, I I love everything you just said right there because it sums it up. of women will connect with that because as women, we want to teach our kids to do best for them, but how are we teaching them if we're a reflection of not doing best for ourselves, right? So, yeah, I love that.
1: And it it, doesn't have to be a lot. Yes, exactly. Like it doesn't have to be mom's going for a bubble bath, mom's going away for the weekend, you know, those things can happen too, but it's, you know, mom's eating on a regular basis throughout the day. Mom's taking 10 minutes to do a quick meditation and she's going to be so much more effective after that. Hey, mom's in a way better mood when she makes sure she exercises every day. When kids start to see that, not only are you a better parent for them, but then they start to have those behaviors be normal for them. These are things that are not a one-off vacation. Mm -hmm. These are things we do every day and that's what they learn growing up.
0: Yes. Yes. I love it um another um common issue when it comes to burnout you said was with the whole bloating and the digestive issues so um what would you say are some of the things that a lot of people experience with it like when it comes to bloat what does bloat feel like because sometimes people don't know that they have bloat like bloating issues right so what what is that feeling
1: So one of the things that women tell me all the time is they feel like they've eaten when they haven't eaten. So like you said, you know, eating that Turkey dinner and that feeling of really intense fullness and pressure, and um, they feel like air is trapped in their bodies. Their bellies are full, even though they're not. Um, that's, That's what bloating feels like. And bloating is not normal unless you've eaten you know, more than you should have, in which case, yes, that's fine. But if you're feeling like that on a regular basis, then that's a major red flag, um, that your digestion isn't working as well as it could be hormones also play into this too. So lots of women notice that different portions of their cycle, that they feel more bloating and more full than others. Um, some women tell me, you know, I look four or five months pregnant, even though I'm definitely not, um, you know, we see, we see the protruding abdomen. Those are all signs of bloating too. And one of the biggest causes of bloating, yes, your hormones will for sure play into it, but stress plays into it in the sense that stress will affect your microbiome. So the good bacteria that live in your gut, you've actually got more bacteria in your body than you do cells. um, And they dictate so many functions. There's new research coming out pretty much every day telling us about things that they do that we didn't know that they do, Um, but they have a huge role in how we break down and absorb nutrients, how we process food, how we eliminate waste and stress and cortisol and all of your stress response hormones they impact that microbiome. So it becomes more difficult to maintain the good bacteria and it became the bad bacteria tend to become overgrown and that tends to cause a lot of dysfunction too. So this is where lots of people notice the bloat, they notice more gas, they notice that they're more sensitive to certain foods, um, hunger levels can change. We can see undigested food in the stools. We can see lots of stool quality issues, either things are too loose or more constipated. Um, there's lots of different things that can go on there, but a lot of women notice that digestion plays a huge role as a response to stress.
0: What would be the one like key factor that you would say if you are having some of these issues, like food wise, or like would a probiotic be a great thing to incorporate into your daily life if you're having like these issues? Like, would you recommend? looking at what you're eating first and then scaling back that way, or like, what are some things that people can do to help the situation?
1: So I think diet is number one. Diet is really the foundation of everything for pretty much any condition that we treat, Um, making sure you're having as many whole foods as as possible, as few processed foods as possible. So limiting your preservatives and your chemicals and your processed sugars and all of those things that come in a box or a bag. Most of your convenience foods, they tend to not be full of probiotic healthy foods. Um, they tend to be very inflammatory for the gut and they tend to throw that imbalance off even a little bit more. Um, eating lots of fiber, so your fruits, your vegetables, your whole grains, making sure you've got good quality protein. Women are notorious for not eating enough protein, so that can be meat and animal products, that can be your plant-based proteins, so things like uh, tofu and tempeh, your beans, your lentils, your legumes, chickpeas, nuts and seeds, all those guys, Um, and then also incorporating fats, Um, so fats tend to be one that we're very afraid to incorporate, especially if weight is more of a concern, um, but your healthy fats. So things like avocados, your nuts and seeds, your nut butters, your fatty fish, um, your olive oils and coconut oils, all of your healthy omega fats, um, specifically your omega-3 fats, um, they tend to be. Really helpful as far as reducing inflammation um, and making you feel fuller for longer. It slows your digestion to help those bacteria really do their job properly and break down food the way that they're supposed to. So I would say just a whole, you know, it doesn't have to be an extreme diet by any means, but the more whole foods you can incorporate, the more color that can be on your plate, the better. Um, And just making sure that the quality of food is there.
0: Yeah, those are all really good tips. And pretty easy to follow too, right? Just making a couple adjustments here and there. It uh, It
1: doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be extreme. Um, You don't need to be following any particular program or diet structure or anything like that. Um, The more whole food, the better. Sometimes people do need probiotic supplements Um, They're a very, very common supplement that lots of people are taking. However, it does need to be the right fit for you. Um, There's lots of products out there. Some of them are high dose. Some of them are low dose. Some of them are single strain. Some of them are multi-strain. Some of them are shelf stable. Some need to go in the fridge. Some are capsules. Some are powders. Some are liquids. There's all kinds of different varieties. And it's really important to make sure that you've got one that's fitting for you because in a lot of cases, people put a probiotic in and it either does nothing or it makes things worse. And that's usually because it hasn't been geared towards them as an individual and what they need.
0: Yeah. You don't want to be wasting your money on something that is not serving no. your body purpose, right?
1: Or making the problem worse. Cause if you've yes. got an overgrowth of bad bacteria in your gut, um, putting the good guys in is not necessarily going to change something. And you're just making the problem worse by continuing to overrun your gut with more bacteria than it can already handle. Right. So um, probiotics are one of those things that we think of as fairly benign that most people can take. And it's not, it's not dangerous. It's safe. It's natural. Um, and that's the case for most people, but it's really important to make sure that you've got something that's geared towards you.
0: Yeah. And if you're always like, if you're not sure, don't take it pretty much, right? No. Yeah.
1: I I would argue, I would argue any supplement, (laughs) any herb, any natural product, um, it it needs to be geared towards you. Cause as you say, you might be wasting a ton of money on something. That's not going to do anything for you, or you're potentially making the problem worse, which is going to just take longer to correct. Um, adrenal supplements are another really common one that lots of people see on the market and say, Oh, that's what I need. You know, I'm feeling burnt out. I'm feeling exhausted. My adrenals need help. Well, they very well might, but you've got different herbal blends that do different things. Um, herbs interact with medications all the time. So that's something to keep in mind that if you're taking pharmaceutical medications, some of them may be okay for you. And some of them may not be okay for you as far as supplements go. Um, and there's different blends that do different things. So some adrenal blends are very stimulating and kind of pick you up off the floor when you need that boost. Some of them are very, very calming so that when you're in that fight or flight response and your nervous system needs to chill out, it'll help you do that. Some of them are more foundational and more balancing. So it really depends what state of burnout you're in, what the herbal blend is blend is looking like, um, and how that's going to support your body. And it needs to be geared towards you for it to be effective.
0: And I will say that Dr. Nicole, when she has di- uh, not diagnosed, has pre- told me, you know, let's take the supplement and do this with that. She's actually looked up to say, you know what, this won't work well because you're taking this. So instead, let's try this out. So yeah. it's really important to talk to someone that understands because, you know, natural supplements are great, but they also have a really um, negative mindset from people too, because of stuff that could possibly... You know, not work for you because it's
1: not diagnosed properly or prescribed to you properly. Yeah. And know but- people at the health food store, as much as they can recommend a product for you, they don't know your health history. They don't know what medications you're taking. They don't know, you know, allergies that you possibly have. They aren't doing a full intake with you. So, as much as, you know, they may be knowledgeable on the products, they aren't knowledgeable about you. They're not doing a full intake on your health history. They're not doing a full intake on your symptoms and they don't have the education to be able to put that together in the store, in the aisles of the health food store. That's just not part of their job. Um, so yeah, like we, we need to make sure that what you're taking is going to actually work for you, but that it's also going to be safe for you because just because something's natural absolutely doesn't mean that it's safe. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Okay. So now let's talk about when two o'clock comes and you want to crash.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. Right?
0: Yeah. So what, like, what has happened at that point in the day in our bodies for,
1: for us to feel so exhausted that we want to have like a four hour nap? So it's kind of a combination of lots of different things. And again, it looks different for different people of what's actually happening, but most of the time it's that you're not getting that cortisol burst around noon. And so you're getting that cortisol drop off in the afternoon. That shouldn't be happening quite as severely as it is. And the other big thing that happens here is that you get a drop in blood sugar. So typically if you're craving carbs and you're craving sugars, specifically your processed sugars, um, and you're getting that, you hit that wall that your energy just totally zonks in the afternoon, you want to take a nap, you want to lay around and do nothing. Um, these are all signs that either your cortisol is crashing or your blood sugar is crashing or both. So that's where we really want to focus on having a really solid midday meal. That doesn't mean a large midday meal, but that means a really nutritious Foundational midday meal, um, focusing on protein and fat incorporation, as we talked about before. That's going to help to make sure that your blood sugar stays stable through the afternoon and you don't get that drop off. Um, if you're having something like a sandwich or a bagel or something that's really easily digested, simple carbohydrate, then that's where you get that rapid blood sugar spike where you do feel better very temporarily, but then it crashes very quickly after and you hit that low. So incorporating things with protein and fat are going to slow the digestion. The blood sugar and insulin spike that comes after is not going to happen as rapidly. It's going to be a much more smooth rise and fall. So you don't get that rapid spike and then crash. And when you do get that crash in the afternoon, that's a sign your body needs more nourishment. So things like protein and fat are much better to incorporate rather than the carbs and the sugar and the caffeine that you're craving, your body's looking for that hit to pick it up. But then you're just perpetuating the cycle of crash over and over and over. So making trying to break that cycle um, with something that's a little bit more nourishing. That can be a handful of nuts and seeds. That can be, you know, an avocado with some fruits and vegetables. That can be some hummus and vegetables. That can be, say, a fruit with some almond butter, something like that. Um, incorporating that protein and fat is really important there. Um, and then trying to stay away from the process things as much as possible will be helpful there. Um, a small bit of exercise can also help just to kind of balance things out, give your adrenals what they need as far as stimulation without, um, anything super intense to burn them out. So going for a walk, getting some fresh air, you know, just, just moving your body in whatever way feels good. That can be stretching. That can be yoga. It doesn't have to be, you know, a two hour, gym experience. Um, it can be five or 10 minutes here, just something to move your body in a really healthy way that feels good. Um, and this is also a really good time to, if your body's asking for downtime to listen, and give it that downtime. You may not be able to incorporate a two hour nap in your afternoon. Typically that's actually gonna make you feel worse than it will make you feel better. Um, but doing something like you know, a quick breathing exercise or a quick meditation, or even closing your eyes for just five minutes um, is just enough to recharge your batteries a little bit and get you going through the rest of the afternoon.
0: So then you recommend that when you do have that craving come on around that time frame, if that is what is your crash, that you grab those snacks and you eat those snacks at that time to give you that yeah. piece of energy. Absolutely.
1: Energy yeah. that's actually going to work for you. Because yeah. like I say, as much as we're craving the quick hit of carbs and sugar and caffeine, it's going to pick you up, but then it's going to drop you down. So if you are going to have, you know, the carbs say you're craving sweet, um, having say an apple with some almond butter, you're going to get that sweet craving under control, but you're also pairing it with a protein and a fat component. That's going to stabilize your blood sugar and not have you crash afterwards.
0: And we know like the easier thing is to reach for those processed snacks oh and those goodness. sugary drinks. So I always find like, having stuff cut up in my fridge, ready to go with like the small packs of hummus are like the best things um, to just reach and go. Right. Because simplicity is what we really do think we need because we talk ourselves out of stuff that might take us five more minutes to prepare to snack on. So the simpler it is, the better
1: it is for us that at that moment. Absolutely. And that's, that's a problem people run into all the time is the convenient food. The quick food is usually not the food that your body actually needs. So we need to make the food that you actually need into convenient food. So like you say, chopping up vegetables ahead of time, having fruit on hand, having groceries done for the week ahead of time so that healthy food is in the house and is available. Um, You know, when you're having a craving like that and chips are sitting in the cupboard, it's really tough to say, I'm not gonna have that. And I'm gonna go to the grocery store and I'm gonna pick up you know, some veggies and some hummus and take those home and cut them up and wash them and get them ready. You're not gonna do that. You're gonna grab for the chips. But if it's a matter of grabbing for the chips or grabbing for the thing that's already available in your fridge and ready to go, it's a lot easier to make that decision because it's just as convenient. And the more often you make those decisions, the more often that becomes a habit, the easier that's going to be to maintain long-term. It just becomes something that you do instead of something that becomes a lot of work.
0: Yeah. And FYI, we all give our kids really healthy snacks for school. So (laughs) if they're in the fridge for our kids and our spouse and everybody else, we can also incorporate them into our lifestyle. Too, absolutely. On a daily basis. Yes,
1: absolutely. And that's the thing. Again, we prioritize everyone else over ourselves. We see how important it is for our kids to have healthy snacks. And, you know, we all get the mom judgment of, I need to send my kid healthy snacks because what's so-and-so going to think if I send them with, you know, a package of Skittles, you know, we don't do that. So we need to prioritize ourselves in the same way. If you're doing meal prep for one, you can do meal prep for four or five or six, all at the same time. It's the same amount of work and in the same amount of time and the payoff ends up being huge.
0: Yes. Okay. Now let's go to nighttime when (laughs) someone wakes up at two o'clock in the morning and can't fall asleep. My go-to for myself is melatonin. When I can't fall back asleep at nighttime, that's what I will do because I have many issues as to why I wake up and then why I can't fall back asleep. There's a list of reasons. So that's my go-to. What would you like tell people that they can do to help themselves, like ease their mind and fall back asleep? What are your tips?
1: So melatonin is one to be careful with. Um, Again, you and I have talked about this, that melatonin is naturally produced in your brain. It's a hormone that's in your brain. And if you take too much melatonin too often, then you'll actually shut down your body's natural melatonin production. So as much as it's natural and as much as it's safe in some doses for some people, if you take too much too often, you're going to become dependent on it, which is something we don't want. Um, so typically what's happening, if you're waking up in the middle of the night and your nervous system is feeling overstimulated, it's because you're getting that cortisol burst. And what we need to do there is we need to help one, get your cortisol under control, which is more of a long-term thing, but in the moment we need to calm your nervous system. So this is where I typically recommend things like breathing exercise breathing exercises, mindfulness practices, meditation, all of those kinds of things that we have tons of research backing, showing that it can not only change your stress response, it changes your hormone production. It changes your brain chemistry. It changes the neural connections that are happening within your brain and within your body in a really positive way, but it's not a one and done sort of thing. You can't do it one time and say, Oh, now my body's going to benefit long-term That's not what happens. So, you need to find something that works for you, which sometimes takes some trial and error, but have that be your go to that you know when you wake up at 2 a.m., if you let your brain start to go, you're going to be up for a long time. Mm -hmm. I have totally been there. I used to be that person also. And I knew that if I don't put something in right away, my brain starts to spiral and we're going to be up for hours. And the next morning is going to be really rough to get through. So, um, there's a couple of different resources that I really like for people. Um, so one is called Insight Timer. It's a free app. It can be downloaded on iPhones and Androids and pretty much any device. Um, I'm pretty sure it's still free completely, but tons of different meditations, mindfulness, exercises, um, breathing exercises, all kinds of different things. Some of them are short, some of them are long, they're all geared towards different body states. You can really find one that works for you and kind of have that be your go-to. Um, I also like headspace and I like calm.com as meditation resources. Uh, I think they both have free trials and then they're paid after that. But if you find something that you like, then that works as well. Um, I also really like the resource, uh, stress Met, stress, less accomplished more by Emily Fletcher. So um, she talks all about meditation and mindfulness and incorporating these practices for people who are not good at them. Um, So that was one that I really enjoyed because I'm someone who has a hard time quieting my brain um, and getting the thoughts under control and all of that. So for people who typically tend to be a little bit more anxious, tend to be a little bit more high functioning, overproductive, all of those kinds of things, then that's a really great resource there as well.
0: Those are really, those are some, you listed like one, two, three, four, four different resources. That's pretty awesome. Uh, thank you. For there's tons
1: that. of them available. There's mm-hmm. tons of them available. It's about finding which one you like, you know, trying them out and seeing which one resonates with you, which one works for you. Yeah. Um, but again, there's tons of free resources out there. It's just a matter of committing to doing it. So
0: I know that we have like future plans to talk about other issues when it comes to women. But the one thing I just want to mention quickly here is that I know that as women age and we start to head into menopause as well, that sleeping throughout the night is also really difficult. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yes. Right. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Lots of menopausal women or perimenopausal women who aren't quite there yet, but are on their way. Um, sleep becomes a huge issue.
0: Right. So can we hit on that just a
1: little bit quick? Like, why does that happen at nighttime for us? So typically it's it's the imbalance between the estrogen and the progesterone. And it's the shift between where you've been for your entire adult life to where you're heading in the later stages of that adult life. Um, so it's the change in hormone from a resting level that you've been at since you started your period at, you know, 12, 13 years old to now things are drastically changing. So same as we all go through major changes at puberty, it's kind of the same changes, but in reverse. So that change has a huge stress on our body. Um, so your adrenal glands don't necessarily differentiate between mental, emotional stress and physical stress, and that shift in hormones and all of the things that come with it, put a huge physical stress on our body, which throws off all of our other hormones, things like insulin and cortisol, all of those guys. Um, and so that shift in hormones is usually what's causing the problem there.
0: So I'm going to wrap this up, but before I wrap it up, I just want If you can explain, because some people, they hear the word adrenal glands and they hear the word adrenal gland fatigue, which I know we're going to talk about in another segment, but what is an adrenal gland for people to understand what that is, where is it in our body and how does it service us on a daily
1: basis? Yeah. So your adrenal glands are little glands that sit on top of your kidneys and they deal with your chronic stress response. So they secrete all different kinds of hormones, things like epinephrine, adrenaline, norepinephrine, and cortisol is another really big one. And so they are literally responsible for managing your chronic stress response. So when we go through an acute stressor, they change things in our body to make us adapt to that stress and make us more uh, effective during that stress. So things like increasing our heart rate, increasing our body temperature, sending blood to different places that it needs to be sent to. And when we think of that response, that fight or flight response, like I said before, it's an adaptive response. So if you think back, you know, thousands of years when our main stressor was being chased by something or running away from a predator, All of those kinds of responses were adaptive. They helped us either fight something off or run away from it. Now our stressors have completely changed. So we're not running away from something. We have a stress that's there all the time, whether that's our kids or our work or family issues, or just the state of the world, whatever that stressor is, it's not a come and gone kind of thing. It's here all the time. And so we get that chronic stress response that isn't meant to be there and our bodies aren't really meant to adapt to. And so that's when our adrenal glands start to burn out. And so that's where we start to get cortisol, the the regular cortisol curve, not happening the way that it's supposed to. We're secreting different hormones that are not supposed to be secreted. We're running out of hormones that we should have more of. And then all of our systems kind of start to fall apart from there. So when we look at adrenal fatigue, which is kind of more of a functional term rather than an actual medical diagnosis, um, there's different, there's kind of a whole spectrum all the way from just kind of starting to feel a little bit burnt out all the way to complete burnout and exhaustion and everywhere in between. So when we develop treatment plans, we're figuring out where are you on that spectrum? How much support do you need and where does that support actually need to happen and how um, to make sure that we've got the plan that's going to work for you.
0: That is so interesting. Thank you for breaking that down because a lot of people don't understand, you know, how that actually works within the body.
1: Right. Cause yeah. And it's another big buzzword. You know, yes, we talk about adrenal fatigue that. all the time. Well not everyone who's stressed out has adrenal fatigue. Right. Right. Not everyone who's burnt out has adrenal fatigue. Right. It, it's, it, it's different for different people. Right.
0: All right. So if someone wanted to find you on social, where can they find you Dr. Nicole?
1: Yeah. So the clinic is generally the best place to find me. Um so we're on Instagram and Facebook at Reach Wellness Whippy. And then my website is NicolePanathair.com. That's amazing. I hope you guys enjoyed
0: this segment. Um, we are definitely coming back, Nicole and I, um, for I believe three other times talking about major issues that I feel are part of my life. And because I'm a woman who was 46 years old, I'm sure a lot of women um have the same kind of Um, attachment to what I've been going through. So I really felt it was important to talk about these issues so that there's more awareness and it's not so scary because sometimes we are scared to open open up about how we're feeling, because then it means that we have to address it. Right. Mm -hmm. So this is the first step for all of you guys. So I hope you've enjoyed it. Thank you so much, Dr. Nicole. I love having you all the time. No problem. And we will talk again. Sounds good. Have a good one guys. Sorry, Nicole, I'm trying to pause it. There we go. Thank you for allowing me to take up space in your day. I always invite conversation to happen. If you felt connected to today's podcast, please send me a message. I would love to hear from you. If you enjoy today's podcast, make sure that you subscribe so you never miss an episode and please share it with a friend also if you have a topic that you would like for me to discuss please reach out and let's have a conversation about it you can email me at stop chasing isn't changing at gmail.com you can also find me on instagram elaine.g.scuds e-l-a-i-n-e period g period s c u d d s always remember to stop chasing what isn't changing in your life don't be afraid to create those habits and to take the steps to achieve what you desire what you deserve and what you have been dreaming of i am elaine scuds and i hope you have an amazing day